0: There are things in life that are okay to cheap out on, but your car battery is not one of them. And that's because you never know what a cheap battery could cost you. Like, uh, say, Paul's going to see the Holy at Russian concert or oh. reunion show. Oh. It's impossible right now. But that's certainly something you wouldn't want to miss because your car won't start. That's why you need Interstate Batteries, America's number one replacement battery. And the brand Autotex prefer three times more than any other brand. Get a battery test today. Find your closest dealer at interstatebatteries.com. That's interstatebatteries.com outrageously dependable
1: 5-Hour Energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life
2: Broadcasting from the mercedes Man Cave, this is Dan Patrick. We're an hour in and a lot of headlines here. It's been a crazy morning, uh, obviously with Luke keekley retiring. Larry Fitzgerald's coming back for his 17th season. We got some new Hall of Famers, including Jimbo Covert's in there, Harold Carmichael, the former Philadelphia Eagle wide receiver. Who else did I miss in that group, uh, McLovin, that the audience would probably be aware of? There's some older
3: players. Donnie that... Shell, I don't know.
2: Is that? Yeah, Donnie Shell. He was with the Steel Curtain, but he was sort of that extra defensive back who came in.
3: Oh, um, George Young you didn't mention. I don't know. Oh, Is
2: the he... Giants GM?
3: Yeah, he was. He was you know, great. He yeah, was great. Yeah. hired Parcells. Uh, obviously, Boo's getting a lot of attention on Twitter.
2: Why, uh, why the negativity with the football writers with Paul Tagley? That he put his
3: head in the sand over steroids. I mean, not steroids, over uh, head injuries. Oh. That's why writers don't like him. There's a line in the book, um, League of Denial. Okay,
2: but how many of those media members cared? I mean, we can now look back and say, where was the NFL on this? I mean, the players didn't care, the league didn't care, and fans didn't care. And the media didn't care. Right? So, I don't think the media knew.
3: I mean, no, I don't think anyone knew the extent of it. What, I still don't think people understand. Well, what extent. did he
2: know, and when did he know it? I'd be curious about that. Yeah, Eden.
0: But there's sort of like, there's th- things that are right in front of your face that are so obvious that then once it's said, like, you know, boxers, right? I mean, we we all know that that's like head trauma. stuff. Yeah. It's not like you can say that watching NFL players age and all that stuff happening. I mean, it was sort of right there, but was it just too obvious?
2: I just remember watching as a fan. and And it didn't dawn on me of what kind of head... But, but, you know, they played the game differently. They actually tackled better. The form tackling was better back then. If you go back, how many head-on collisions did you have back then? How many times did you use your helmet back then in the 60s and 70s? You know, one of the first times I ever saw something like that was Jack Tatum. You know, Jack Tatum hit Daryl Stingley. And it was so shocking. That was a preseason game. You just didn't see players lead with their helmet. They hit you, but it felt like they hit you, and there was, a, there was a competition, obviously, but there was a respect among offenses and defenses. Now, you can watch Dick Butkus, you know, clothesline somebody or drive somebody into the ground. Yes, you have outliers in there in the way they play the game, or Ray Nitsky. But, you know, for the most part, it felt like they did more. They were taught to form tackle. The reason why you have players who lead with their body is defensive backs made the highlights. I truly believe just getting into the highlights because if you didn't, you know, come up with an interception, you probably weren't making the highlights unless you were beat for a touchdown. These defensive players realized if I if I blow somebody up, I'm going to make the highlights. I can make a name for myself. And I I think that's where we got off the rails with the NFL. Now, I know that there's been head trauma and and probably players that you don't even know existed who had head trauma. Those who are still suffering from it. And even the helmet itself, uh, you know, trying to improve. Look at an old helmet. And I'm not talking about the ones that didn't, you know, have the face mask on it, but I'm sure Brett Favre's helmet, you know, that Riddell helmet is, doesn't look too impressive if you put it on. You go, boy, he went into battle all of those years with that. And I think that that – but I don't know Paul Tagliabue's legacy or have a strong opinion one way or another. Yeah, McLevin.
3: Well, there's one damning quote in the book, League of and Night, where Tagliabue said that this is a media creation and it's packed journalism on concussions. Okay. And it got and it was a direct quote from me. I mean, that that's damning. It okay. was 94. Okay. Yeah, if
2: if they had the research and then he yeah. said
3: that, well, also, but you have a bigger issue. Like, what do Goodell and Tagliabue really do for the game? Are they, are they? Do they get the credit for growing the game, or did the game grow around them? It's hard to tell. I think.
2: Well, I wouldn't put in a commissioner like Paul Tagliabue or even Roger Goodell just because you made the owners money. Did you make the game better? I I like what what did you do? You were overseeing a league, okay. Now everybody's a billionaire. Okay. You've increased the value. Okay. But he's also had mistakes as the commissioner. Like, I don't know what the checks and balances are with putting a commissioner in. I thought Pete Rosell was a brilliant marketing man as as the uh, commissioner of the NFL. And I thought David Stern was a brilliant marketing man as the head of the NBA. But other than that, uh, you know, if I'm taking inventory with commissioners, I'm like, okay, he was he was good. Like Ford Frick, I don't know. Larry O'Brien, I don't know. Yeah, Paul.
4: How would Commissioner Booty tune? How would Commissioner, really commissioner Taglibu's responsibility be the players? Isn't that the players' union chief? The health of the players and the safety and the longevity, not the commissioner. Commissioner's job is the opposite. His job is the make money for the teams, make money for the networks, and grow the game for the fans.
2: But if you have that quote, though, then that feels like you're suppressing evidence there. That that would be the only thing that I would say. You're right. His job is to take care of the owners and make money and grow the, grow the sport. The Players Association, Gene Upshaw at the time, you know, what did he know and what could he do about it? But when you say, hey, this is a media cre- creation, it's like steroids. When we finally found out about steroids, And then we investigated steroids, and then we were told only 5%. Remember the the famous Donald Fear line who headed up the Players Association? 5% are dirty. And all those years, we tried to get him on because I wanted to say, then why don't the 95% be upset with the 5%? Because now everybody is guilty. Uh, Speaking of guilt, um, well, I don't know if he's admitted guilt, but Alex Cora got fired, the Red Sox manager. Now, they said it was a mutual parting here. He's not fighting it, but this is, here's where I'm, I don't know who else was involved in the Red Sox cheating who might be still on the staff. So what if something comes out, like, let baseball finish their investigation. This feels like the Red Sox go, oh, my God, we got to fire him. Okay, fired him. Moving on. Public pressure. What if the hitting coach or somebody else was one of their spies? Or current player, I don't know. Wait till the investigation is done. And then if you want to fire Alex Cora, fire Alex Cora. And uh, everybody's weighing in on this because now it feels like teams are entitled to uh, a World Series in 2017, uh, the Yankees and the Dodgers. Here's CC Sabathia on uh, the cheating by the Astros costing his Yankees.
4: It's getting frustrating, man, to sit here and, and know that you know, late in my career, I probably could have had a title. You know, maybe 17 or maybe 18, um, but you know, we, we got cheated. You know, out of out of you know a team kind of doing something that that's not within the rules of the game.
2: Okay, I think I think all of these players should shut up because if CC Sabathia was sitting here in front of me and he said that, I would say, um, "You played with Andy Pettit and A Rod, right? Are you giving back your title? Oh, you're not. Okay, then shut up." You, there's no guarantee you would have won the World Series. You benefited from cheating as well. I know the Dodgers and Dodger fans are upset. I get it. You want to vacate the title. They're not giving you the title. Is that is that enough for you if they vacated, And I go back to Reggie Bush vacated the Heisman. had it stripped the honor and the trophy. They didn't give it to Vince Young, and he finished second. So when you had Ben Johnson test positive at the Seoul Olympics, three days later they gave the gold medal to Carl Lewis. Okay, if you're going to do that, then why don't you do that with Vince Young? It's it's a it's a race. Uh, You know, one is that you know we're actually racing against each other. This one was just a race to see who got the most votes. You want to give it to Vince Young? Give it to Vince Young. But I I can't sit here and go, you know what? The Yankees would have won the World Series that year. Or the Dodgers would. I don't know that. But for CC Sabathia to forget that he played with cheaters, it's pretty hypocritical. Yes, McLovin.
3: I mean, do the Dodgers want to vacate that title they won with Matt? Oh,
2: sorry. Wow. 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 I just. Wow. Where did that come from, McLovin? That's fair, though
0: just I event. agree. Yeah. But I'm not but.
2: hearing anybody say that.
3: But they didn't win the title. The difference is they yeah. didn't win that. They could they should have won five titles over the span. That's the funny thing, that they don't have to vacate anything.
1: Yes, Todd.
5: And can CC say with one hundred percent certainty that the Yankees haven't done anything questionable with technology? Can any player know what I, everyone I, else is doing at all times?
2: I wouldn't say anything in a situation. I'll tell you who should be saying something. The Astros players should have a backbone and get in front of a camera because your manager just got fired because of you guys. Nobody's being punished here. But somebody should at least have A.J. Hinch's back for what he was able to do with that team and for that team. He took the bullet. And I haven't heard. Justin Verlander talks about everything. He rails on everything. P.E.D. You know, he's always got something to say. Uh, Bregman. He's always willing to talk. El Tuve, your manager just got fired. You guys benefited from this. Now, did he play a role, a secondary role? Yes, he did. And I would have fired him. But these players are going to get off scot-free. Yeah,
3: that's I have a baseball question. How come catches don't do a better job at hiding their signals? If it, it's, I mean, I feel as part of them, Are catchers, ball, I know they flash like 12 signs. You see, that's the thing today. But obviously, they're not doing a good enough job. They're getting picked off all the well, time. Well,
2: if you know the center field camera is the one that they could be cheating off of, then, you know, it's one thing to have the camera there. The guy on second base, if there's a guy on second base, then you you change up your signals. I mean, we did that in high school, where if somebody was at, at second base, you know, a uh, Three was a fastball instead of a one is a fastball. we had it was so rudimentary. It was be like one, two was a curve, a hook, and then three would be a change up or whatever, you know, we were throwing at the time. That's all. But you didn't really because you didn't think that player was going to be able to telegraph it and you know get the information to the hitter. And then you start to realize that you would just lead off second and you put one finger down, or two, or three, and that told the hitter what was coming. But now I got technology where there's a camera, there's a monitor. I can go in and see it in real time. You're banging a damn drum. Yeah, Paul.
4: If I were a catcher, I really think I would, like, actually announce what the pitch was to mess with the hitter. But it's something else that's being signaled to the pitcher from uh, the dugout. But imagine if he, as he goes into his stretch, he's like, here comes the fastball. And it just gets in the guy's mind. But he's throwing something completely else.
2: Well, Bull Durham, he did that to Nuke Lelouch. Setting up Nuke. Yeah. Yeah. Get ready for the heater. Thank you. You can thank me. Yes, McLeod. What
3: do you think they do in football to, to decode audibles? You know there's a huge science going on there. I don't know if it's legal or illegal, but I've heard there's supercomputers that broke down Peyton Manning's audible count for defenses. I have no but, idea But, but you also,
2: in college, you'll have like four quarterbacks, and they're all signaling in. Like Clemson was doing this. Everybody's signaling in stuff. But the audible, when you change the play, if you know that yellow weasel – is going to be weak side.
0: If we know that, then defenses are going to know that. Yes, he But in college, though, they're spending more time being like, so what does the picture of Brad Pitt and George Clooney mean? Is that a run or is that a... uh, I'm not sure.
2: Oh, uh, I just saw this. Aaron Judge deletes a post congratulating Jose Altuve of the MVP in 2017. That'll serve him. D- take that. Boom. Deleted. Yeah. Now they got punished. Yeah, we uh, – did the Astro players get punished? Yeah, Aaron Judge deleted a tweet congratulating El in 2017. Oh, yes. man, he did. Man, that's know. hard time. That that's really rough. That hurt. Yeah.
0: <laughs> God. I'm unliking this post. <laughs>
2: <gasps> that hurt. That really hurt. Uh, Antonio Gates will join us coming up in the final hour of the show. Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports, he was uh, part of this documentary. It's a three-part documentary. He was an executive producer of the docuseries Killer Inside the Mind of Aaron Hernandez. It's out today on Netflix, and uh, there's some pretty powerful stuff in here, pretty powerful. So we we wanted to have him on and uh, get his thoughts on what he learned about this once he started this uh, docuseries. Go to the DP Show store. We have the yellow weasel T-shirts for you Packer fans. Uh, we do have our uh, ill-timed DK Metcalf shirt that Seaton and I worked on all weekend <laughs> long. And and then we we I, I just had this realization of God. I hope they win. Yeah,
0: sure, hope they win.
2: Yeah, but then if they they did win, then we wouldn't be selling the yellow weasel shirts there. And Patrick Mahomes we wouldn't be selling the Patrick Mahomes t-shirts if they had lost to Houston. So those t-shirts available on the DP show app. <laughs>
0: they're selling well. Yeah. Make sure.
2: well, yellow weasel. Yeah. Yellow weasel. What a, what a great audible. You go up there. How can you keep a straight face if you're yelling green 19, green 19, yellow weasel. Yes. McLovin.
3: How come Matt Ryan never gave us the audible? I have
2: no idea. He's a buzzkill. He is. Are we seeing Aaron Rodgers if they don't win in uh, Miami? We hope so. That would be nice.
5: I'm wondering if we're going to bring out the Pop Goes the Weasel or Pop Goes the Yellow Weasel shirt if the Niners take care of business on Sunday. That could be the, uh, mm-hmm. an extra concern from okay. sure Niners fans. Oh, by the, the way,
2: one. we're going to be billionaires. We've we've been discussing my tequila idea, and don't get any ideas of stealing this. It's literary spirits. That's, that's what w- the company will be called, literary spirits. Tequila Mockingbird. Yeah. Yeah. Catcher in the Rye whiskey. Grapes of Wrath. Huckleberry gin. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're almost okay. fully set. Our bar is stocked. Yeah. And bang the rum slowly. Bang the rum slowly. We've got a whole collection. Thank you, Todd. <laughs> if, if people want to offer this up, just so you know, if, if you offer it up, I'm going to take it. Yeah. know I but if you're if you're giving it to me, and then although we will take those suggestions, but those are just some that we have, and it started with the brilliant idea of tequila mockingbird. I already got designs on the. I, I, we're gonna be billionaires. Yes, McLeod. I
3: like someone sending last of the mojitos. I
2: don't, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> I don't <know>. All right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, ale of two cities. The guy also has all
2: right. <laughs> ale of okay. two cities. Yeah, it's literary spirit. That's great. Yeah, it's literary spirit. The Call of the wild turkey. Yeah. <laughs> no, well we so can't get that one. Yeah. yeah, we can't get that one. It's our first collaboration. Yes. Yes, Todd, you got another one? I'm still thinking. Okay,
5: there's a lot to work with there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: McLevin, this is your
2: wheelhouse yeah, you
3: read it. Literary I mean, I, there's so many funny ones that have been tweeted to us uh, That, uh, yeah, I'm not good at puns, though That's the problem This is Todd's area Do yes, we do so.
5: TV shows or movies or it has to be has No, to no, be it's
2: literary spirits.
5: So we couldn't do scotch instead of botch
2: So we
1: can't do something No, no, that's not, that's not good That's not good That's not good We were on a roll I know and we, and I should have gone to
2: break You really should have I should have You will edit that out in the podcast I often put us right into the wall Yeah, yeah. All right. 18 after the hour. Thank you, Todd. 18 after the hour. We're back after this from the Dan Patrick Show.
4: Okay, this is just a 30-second commercial, and I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you, but please, please stay with me. In just 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. The company that has been offering you great rates and great service for 75 years, it's GEICO. I've been using them for a long time myself. And anytime you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. No recordings. The company, GEICO. Go to GEICO.com today. Sorry for all the numbers, but I've been a fan and a customer of Geico for a long time. And five, four, three, two, one, I'm out.
1: Five Hour Energy helps you get through your crazy on the go life.
2: Instead of Harry Potter. All right. We're rolling. <laughs> I don't know. They're literary spirits that we're coming up with. I already got friends who say, hey, let's run with uh, Tequila Mockingbird. Eight men stout. Instead of eight men out. Okay. No, we're just doing. It's the book. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. The, the Rum Also good. Rises. That's a Hemingway the, book. The Sun Also Rises. Yeah. Okay. That could work.
3: For Whom the Beer Tolls. Someone said us. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. All right.
2: Once again, this becomes our intellectual property once, right. once you send it to us, oh, right? Don't say those words right now. Yeah, month <laughs> or half. I know. <laughs> You're right in a few weeks. And Uh-oh. Then. <laughs> Huckleberry gin. <laughs> uh. All right. Uh, we'll get the phone calls coming up. Uh, must see TV for you. Out on Netflix today. It's called Killer Inside the Mind of Aaron Hernandez. And uh, Dan Wetzel was executive producer of this docuseries. Yahoo Sports national columnist who joins us now. How'd you get involved in this project, Dan?
6: Well, I, I covered Aaron Hernandez's, uh, you know, story from all the way back into Florida, went into Florida, but obviously once he was suspect of the murder uh, of, of Odin Lloyd, uh, and, and during the long process of, you know, multiple trials and all the different things, Kevin Armstrong, a journalist of the New York Daily News at the time, and I talked about doing a book and maybe you know we just saw this as a massive story that went beyond the daily headlines there were so many there was such depth to the different angles to it um that you know this could be told in a different way and we we partnered up with a company called Blackfin out in New York City and Gino uh, McDermott who who handled the directing and, and and some of the executive producing and uh kind of got to work on it while in between the first and second trial. And at that point, obviously, we had no idea where it was headed. Um, uh, You know, an acquittal in the second trial, suicide in the prison, all the different things. So it's been a long process to tell this story, but uh, we were there pretty much from, you know, every day, every step of the way. So I think we were able to provide a a depth of – a depth to the story that you you wouldn't get if you're just kind of coming in after it became uh, this big sensation. How did he hide
2: his double life from Belichick and his teammates and Robert Kraft?
6: You know, uh, he he had very different worlds. If you if you look at it, um, his his friends he was hanging out with uh, at times uh, you know they weren't Patriots. He didn't hang out a lot with the Patriots. That's in there. Um, he wasn't connecting with the guys on the team, which was a side of concern. So he would be out and with, with uh, a friend of his mainly, this guy, Alexander Bradley, who was a a drug and gun dealer out of New York, out of, uh, Connecticut. Uh, and, and they just had different, different worlds. So nobody knew what he was doing. He was, I mean, he was, he had, he had a million different kind of hidden lives to himself. He, he wrestled with his sexuality and, and tried to hide that throughout, High school and college, um, he could. He, if you listen to the, we have a lot of the jailhouse phone calls in it, and if you listen throughout the, the three parts of the series, you'll hear him talking, in incredibly different ways to all different types of people. Um, he can be as, as, as kind and as sweet to his, to his daughter or his cousin or something like that. He can be, a totally different with somebody else, and so you just see how this guy was really a chameleon. But, what he was doing at night. Um, People didn't know. So you literally had in, in 2012, you had him uh, at, at the very least involved in, in, in a double homicide in Boston, a, a shooting where they drive by shooting, and then he ends up stashing the car in his cousin's garage. Either He's either the trigger man or he's in the car with uh, Alexander Bradley. About a few weeks later, he signs a $40 million extension with the oh, Patriots no. and plays an entire season in the NFL. As, as essentially an accused double murderer. So you just have never seen anything like this in the in, in, in football where a guy has got that kind of a secret life going on. Uh, it's truly football player by day at times and gangster at night, but there were so many elements to his story that were hidden from the people he who knew him the best, whether it was his wife or his attorney or the way every, everyone who knew him best was shocked when he committed suicide. He just he had a way of compartmentalizing and hiding things from people.
2: How much cooperation did you get from the
6: Patriots? Uh, not much. Um, you know, they're, uh, we have a lot of NFL footage in there. We have some former Patriots and things like that. But, you know, you weren't going to have Bill Belichick sit down for an extensive interview on this, which well, is understandable.
2: Did, did Aaron Hernandez almost get away with this?
6: No. Uh, he... Well, he probably could have gotten away with the first one. Uh, his his real problem was he got into a, a rivalry with with his friend Alexander Bradley, who uh, blamed him or, or testified at one point, but at the very least blamed him for for shooting him in the face in a separate incident down in Florida. There's a lot to this thing. It's hard to to put it in, but but he was in college
2: time. at that time, wasn't he, Dan? He
6: he was at. No, this was after college. Okay, he Bradley. Bradley became friends after college okay. um, but Bradley says Hernandez shot him in the shot him in the eye thought he was, thought Bradley was dead Bradley survived. Bradley basically says I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you with revenge he refuses to cooperate with the police Aaron loads up buys an armored car he starts hanging out with a couple guys as kind of bodyguards he's got a lot of weapons at that point it was a matter of time what was going to happen he ended up killing old Lloyd in a and getting caught for that um, you know, could he have gotten away extensively for the for the double homicide being involved in that? It's hard to say. He still had the the car kind of sitting in a garage, hidden in Connecticut. So maybe, but I, I think Aaron was. You know, he he only played three years in the NFL. He was only 23 when he was arrested. Um, to think he would have gotten away with it for much longer. He lived a life that was doomed to uh, to pretty much end up uh, in some. Some uh, some failure at some point or some kind of arrest or, or, or the murder of himself. Uh, he was completely on the edge. He lived a completely outside the bounds of normal society life uh, while he was playing professional football.
2: We're talking to Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports National columnist and uh, executive producer of the docuseries Killer Inside the Mind of Aaron Hernandez out today on Netflix. What did you learn about his time in prison?
6: Well, again, that, that too is complicated. I mean, when he first went in, people, you know, he gets put on suicide watch right away when he goes into the, to the jail. And they usually do that with anybody who's facing that kind of charges or pressure of a, of a life sentence. Uh, the, the, the jail officials before he's convicted say he literally moves in and it's almost a relief. And he just, compl- there's no crying. There's no banging on the, on the door saying, I don't belong here. I need this. Nothing. All he ever did. All, his only request was more protein in his uh, in his in his lunch and stuff like that. He just basically was fine with it. Uh, There's jailhouse calls where he's t- talking to his mom about how much he likes his cell, how cozy it is and things. But later on, through through it, uh, I think the pressure of of being so young and facing life without parole got to him, and I think it was the the, the key reason why he ended up committing suicide. Although we'll never really know. Um, so after four years in. He ends up committing suicide, and in, in, in the state, uh, in the maximum security, at that point he'd been convicted and was in a much rougher uh, prison, and I think that just kind of wore him down and got it. So he ends up killing himself at 27. But um, very interesting dynamics there on on both an ability to to adapt immediately, but also struggle with with the fights and the discipline and and just the, the sheer difficulty of, of facing what would have been, you know, 50, 60 more years.
2: Yeah, he was a wannabe gangster, felt like. He's hiding his uh, sexuality. Uh, you, I don't know if CTE plays a role in this. Is, is there a part of this docuseries where the audience is going to come away with, you know, a scene that sort of surprises you or blows you away?
6: I, I think there's a number of them. Um, particularly the, the phone calls that really show him in a, in unguarded moments. Um, there's, you know, we took a very journalistically sound approach to this. We're not just chasing the craziest rumor we can throw up there to try to shock people. Like this is as, as you know, we reached out to hundreds of people and, and worked this story for years. So it's it's not going to be something where we're just throwing anything in there to shock people, but. Um, I think there's a number of them. I think you see the depth. Nobody in this in this stocky series fits into a box very well, including Aaron Hernandez. Uh, it's 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 real life. Uh, it's there's, there's there's good parts and bad parts to almost everyone involved. Uh, so he just uh, you know why has always been the story. I think it would be unfair to just make a determination on that. I think it was a perfect cocktail of different things: it, abuse as a child, his dad passing away. Uh, I think the decision to go to Florida wasn't great for him. I think CTE played a role probably or could have, um, you know, an interest in being a gangster, all the different things. And we're not trying to excuse Aaron's behavior Mm -hmm. because he made these decisions and these decisions, as we point out, and and spent a lot of time with the victims, you know, ruined lives, ended lives, adversely affected a lot of lives that had nothing to do with him. Uh, People he didn't know. Uh, but we do try to explain just the, the myriad circumstances around this to try to figure out why we've had this, because this is just a story we've never seen. You know, talk about NFL murders, you know, O.J. Simpson and things like that. And obviously it's just, you know, a, a, an incredible story in its own right, obviously. But O.J. was retired. O.J. was caught up in domestic violence. Like, these are things we've seen before. They aren't that uncommon in the world, uh, sadly. We've never seen this. You, you just don't see a guy driving around shooting people, being involved in, you know, as many as seven shootings and three, three homicides all by 23 while being a professional athlete, highly functioning. I mean, guy caught a p- touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. Um, he's able to, he, you know, he's able to conform with the Patriots. He has this beautiful mansion, a loving fiancé, the baby. He does everything at times to show how I'm making it. And then on the other side, he's doing something completely opposite. And that's just sort of the way he lived his life.
2: Dan, thank you. Good stuff. It's out today on Netflix. It's called uh, Killer Inside the Mind of Aaron Hernandez. Great to catch up with you. Thank you, Dan.
6: Always good, Dan. Take care.
2: All right. You could hear that left an impact on Dan Wetzel when you start to be around this. And, you know, for us, when you read something or watch something, we're, we're still removed from it. It can still have an impact on you. But when you're talking to these people, when you're researching, when you're listening to those phone conversations in prison, that stays with you. It's like when you have writers who will investigate a murder. They're going to write a book, and then all of a sudden you get caught up in that and what that feels like and stays with you. Do you remember the – it uh, it was an officer in the military – and he ended up killing his family and then wrote Pigs on, on the Wall. And they, he was he's still in prison. Jeffrey McDonald, do you remember that name? What was the name of that book, McLevin?
3: I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a big book. I'll look it up. Uh, but that was a huge deal.
2: But, but didn't the writer all of a sudden realize that Jeffrey McDonald was the murderer? And then he wrote a book. It's not Ken Follett. It's, um, I'm trying to think who that author is. Uh, But he was was working with the uh, military man, uh, Jeffrey McDonald. And then he started to realize this is the murder. This is who did it. And then he wrote the book. Fatal Vision. Fatal Vision. Yeah, Joe McInnes. Joe, okay.
3: Joe McInnes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It it was, uh, yeah, you had exactly right. The author didn't know exactly what had happened and then came
2: to realize it. But, the, you know, Dan Wetzel and, you know, this group that was putting on the docuseries, they didn't get a chance to really be able to interview Aaron Hernandez. Like, this is after the fact where you now you go in and you start to explore just who was this. How did you hide this? You're with the Patriots. You're there for three years. R- Robert Kraft is giving you a contract extension. You're with Florida. I mean I mean, I understand how you could have gotten away with stuff in college. But with the Patriots, it just feels like in that community, somebody sees something or hears something. And there's one player who said that he was alone with Aaron Hernandez one time, I believe in the hallway or working out, and was afraid. Like he just had killer eyes. Like he, he looked at you, and I, I think this had to do with hazing, that a veteran wanted to haze Aaron Hernandez and then realized that ain't happening. Yeah, Paul.
4: And if you look back at it, 2011, 2012, when Aaron Hernandez got his new contract, Gronk was the wild one. Gronk was the guy getting in trouble and being in. Yeah, we were uh, worried about Gronk, social media and things he was doing. And Aaron Hernandez was the quiet one, the better receiver. Gronk was the tough guy blocker with great hands. But there is, there's nothing about this. You can't find stories about Aaron Hernandez before it went berserk. Yes. And
5: some of those prison calls, he's talking to family members, and he seems so calm and just okay with the fact that like, he realized he could be spending like the rest of his life in a little cell when he was in a mansion with a fiancé and a daughter. And on the other hand, he snaps at a club supposedly because someone spilled a drink on him, so he wants to run out and uh, kill a couple of people. The same person that's totally calm about being locked away in prison.
2: And I know that they talk about CTE and did that play a role. I, I don't know. I think they studied his brain. I think. Yeah, McLovin.
3: I think they did, and they found uh, telltale
2: signs of CTE. Yeah, But you'll you'll find that with football players. I've been around a notable football player, former football player, and he could be all the way over here, sincere, genuine, nice, warm, and then he could be over here, and you're going, who is this? And it could be in the same day. All right, we'll take a break here. Uh, We'll get phone calls coming up. Also, Antonio Gates, the former Chargers All-Pro, will join us. And the uh, Jeopardy Goat, Ken Jennings. That was entertaining. Uh, I really enjoyed that. But Ken Jennings, he put a little distance between himself and everybody else.
1: Uh, Is he the Tom Brady of Jeopardy? Find out next. Back after this. It's the greatest time of the year in sports. NFL, college football,
3: MLB,
0: NBA and
3: NHL. What else can a sports fan ask for? All the action you want is every day at one place and one place only. Betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use promo code podcast1 for your 50% off welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on all this incredible action at betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag. Your online sports book experts.
2: Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about Luke Keekley We talked about the Astros. CC Sabathia, the former Yankee, now says he feels like he was cheated a little bit. I'm sure there are some teams that feel like they were cheated by the Yankees who were cheating with uh, steroid users when they won a World Series. If I'm a player, I don't say anything right now. Because you don't even know if somehow your team may have been doing something, is doing something right now. And CC Sabathia, probably best to just not say anything. Let let the um, the media or let the fans give you a title. You don't ask for the title. You you want to vacate it? Great, vacate it. I I couldn't care less. Uh, but was this a bad day? Like these are two tough days for baseball, or for the Astros? Was this was were these bad days for baseball? You know, the Red Sox, you got your World Series, and, okay, you lost your manager. Okay. You know, the Astros, you're going to have an asterisk by your name in 2017. You lost your manager, your GM. Okay. Did baseball have a – is this good for baseball? And it feels like they went at it pretty hard. I thought they could have been tougher. I think if you want to put it out there that, hey, if you get caught doing this, you get a lifetime ban. Do you remember what the penalties were for steroids when we first started out, McLovin? I I think I think it was like a couple of games when you first got busted. And I remember talking to Commissioner Seelig, and and you know he kind of came to me. Uh, I'm sure he came to other people, but we had a conversation where he said, "I just I can't get cooperation here. I can't I can't bring all of this together." And that's when I said, go to the clubbies, the, the clubhouse guys. They know everything that's going on. And and then he said, I, I said, you know what? You can really send a message by suspending somebody an entire year. He goes, well, they, I, they'd never let me do that. And I said, until you do that, I would keep doing steroids. Like, what's my penalty? Yes, McLevin.
3: In 2005, they toughened the laws to 50 games for first offense, 100 for a second, lifetime for third. Before that, it was 10-day suspension for first. Isn't that amazing? 30 for second, 60 for third.
2: Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Like, if you get caught once, you don't get another chance. Whatever you put in your body, you're putting it in your body. Know what you're putting in your body. We have a hotline. We'll tell you everything that you can and cannot put in your body. It's up to you. You get popped. I'll sit you down for a season. Now, they're doing, what, 60 or they're doing 80 games now, 60 games, something like that, half a season. No pay, okay. But until you really, if you want to curb cheating, you know, where you're using technology, it'll be a lifetime ban. What happens when, you know, betting is going to be running rampant? Everybody's going to be able to bet. And then you have, the one thing we want to know is, is something fixed? Like, we can't leave that topic with the NBA because in our minds, Tim Donaghy at least put it there and said, hey, you know what? That uh, uh, Lakers-Sacramento Kings series was fixed. Whether it was or not, now you think when there's an outcome, a questionable outcome, or when an official sees a play, doesn't see a play, the ruling on the field. You know, now you have something like this. I don't know how much money changed hands with, with the outcome of the 2017 World Series. I don't know. But once you get people who are losing money here, That's when things get really serious and could get ugly for some of these people involved. All right. uh, Jeopardy ended last night and you have uh, the greatest of all time, Ken Jennings. I thought it was really funny that they, you know, him and uh, James uh, Holzhauer, they went back and forth and it was entertaining. Different personalities there, but uh, Ken Jennings got the last laugh. Yeah, Paul. And,
4: And Jennings did an interview afterwards and he said he had to adjust his entire strategy Based off Holzhauer, who was more of a better. He's a gambler at Jeopardy. He yeah. used more like odds of when you when you bet and when you max out your your bankroll. And so he said he bet differently, but his his brain was the same as far as
2: guessing. And a great smack talk there because Ken Jennings said, "Hey, I'm going to start following James Holzhauer on Twitter because well he's been following me all week on Jeopardy." It was good.
0: Savage take. It down.
2: was that that's a that's a nerd takedown. That's as good as it gets. Right, McLovin?
3: He had another one uh, where I think James Holzhauer, it's all about the timing on your button. Ken Jennings said something like, it was like, that's what your wife said to me or something. Oh, Did you see that? There was oh, three, Yeah, they, this has been going a week. They've been going, nuts. No. Uh,
2: wait, 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 wait. Oh, I, I can't. Ken Jennings went there?
3: I believe so, yes.
4: How many codes have you broke, Jennings? Boom. That, that's a nerd smack dog.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's still fun to see. Now, if you're Ken Jennings, do you, do you retire now? Yeah, Paul.
4: I I, I don't want to be morbid about this, but down the road, when Alex Trebek is no longer the host of Jeopardy, Ken Jennings makes a lot of sense for the host because he can get, you know, he's very recognizable to the players. I think he's pretty well liked by the fans and, um, it's probably the kind of person that would slide in without negative fan reaction.
2: Who do you want to see again, Ken Jennings, or James Holzhauer? Because Holzhauer was really entertaining. Jennings was entertaining because he's so impressive. Like you just you're watching, and you're going, he's not going to miss any. But Holzhauer is a character there, and I do agree that he he played as a gambler, and. You know, if you watch Jeopardy, sometimes somebody will go into a category because they know the category, and they'll just go right from, you know, top to bottom. And I, and I remember where you – we actually had a category for Todd when we did the uh, Sports Jeopardy.
5: And I didn't time it right, and I could have rattled off Astro and Bronco questions, and the guys beat me to it.
2: Because we were trying to figure out, okay, because it was Paulie and McLovin, and they were pretty evenly matched, and then we were trying to help you. And then you got angry on Sports Jeopardy. It's
5: very frustrating. During the break, I had like the technicians, <laughs> the engineers come over to make sure my thing was plugged in right now. Every time I'm pressing, it's not working for me.
0: Uh, that, that, that is,
4: looking back, that was a very tense couple hours because it moves very fast, Jeopardy. You don't When you're hosting, Dan, you don't take a pause. You don't get a break. You, 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 those questions are
3: flying. There's no timeout,
2: McLovin, this is kind of saucy here. What's The back and forth with Ken Jennings and uh, James Holzhauer?
3: Yeah, uh, Ken Jennings has a, a very black sense of humor. Uh, it's really interesting.
2: Okay, well, who says my wife is going to make me... That, that's Holzhauer. So Holzhauer says my wife's going to make me role play as Ken Jennings tonight. <laughs> that's hot. Yeah, why would you say... <laughs> why would <Holzhauer> say... Oh... <laughs> uh... That's good stuff.
3: Remember Holthauser was a guest on the show? He was kind of funny.
2: Yeah, awkward, odd, but really entertaining. Take a break. Got one more hour to go on this Wednesday. We will talk to Antonio Gates, the former Chargers All-Pro tight end who announced his retirement. Back after this.
3: Hey, what's happening, man? It's Tip T.I. Harris. Come check me out, man. Join me on my new podcast called Expeditionly. Exclusively available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Now, every week I am gonna be talking to people who move the culture forward, who are shaping and changing the world in their own way. You're going to hear some sh- that will change your life and move the needle in your world. Expeditionly is exclusively available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Now, what I need you to do is download and subscribe to Expeditionly with a new episode dropping every
6: Thursday. Do it Expeditiously! Expeditionly!